Good afternoon. This is Dr. Dan Guerra, and it's the 22nd of December, 2022. This is Lecture 8 on Holiday Ethanol Use. The cyclic AMP response element binding protein is responsible for activating genes that are controlled by the cyclic AMP response element, which is essentially a promoter region. And I can tell you subsequently what genes are normally expressed by that pathway. Of course, pathway is more complicated than that. I'm going to get into the whole process. But you get two major players here. Cyclic AMP, there's a response element binding protein. And then there is a response element in DNA. So it's a transcriptional event. So the cyclic AMP binding protein binds to the activated, which is already phosphorylated form of the cyclic AMP response element binding protein. So CREB, in short, recognizes and then binds to the cyclic AMP response element, CRE. There's a consensus sequence in the promoter of the target genes, and, and uh, which will be discussed later. That, of course, will cause, be, well, be a component of chromatin retailering, allowing for transcription. Now, acute ethanol will actually affect this transcriptional activation mediated by the CREB binding protein and, of course, the um, CREB process itself, the CRE. Now, what occurs is after CREB is phosphorylated, you get an increase in cyclic AMP binding protein. You also get an increase in histones 3 and 4 lysine residue acetylation, so you generate euchromatin. At the same time, there's an inhibition of histone deacetylase activity. So this essentially causes a euchromatin shift from heterochromatin, which normally means a relaxed structure, which comprises DNA that is more labile to active transcription. So that's how far we've got now with the ethanol. Let's talk more about CREB and whatnot. So again, CREB is a cyclic AMP response element binding protein. And what is it, what, what we can now talk about is uh, structure and function. It belongs to the B-zip, you know, this is going to be a transcription factor type of protein superfamily of transcription factors within the superfamily that describes that um, domain. CREB and closely related factors like CREM, which is the cyclic AMP response element modulator, and ATF1, which is the activating transcription factor one, actually generate a subcategory referred to as the CREB family of transcription. Now, BZIP transcription factors, and CREB is an element of them, have a C-terminal basic domain, a basic amino acid domain, that binds to DNA, plus it has a leucine zipper domain that facilitates dimerization of the protein in association with the DNA. 
So between the CREB, the CREM, and the ATF-1, there is a great deal of homology, especially within the BZIP domain. So that's why you can form homo and heterodimers, each of which will bind to the same cis element, which is going to be the cis response, uh, the cyclic AMP response element, CRE. Now, the CRE itself has several palindromic nucleotide sequences that are basically T, G, A, C, G, T, C, A, repeat. So many CREB binding sites are comprised of variations of that particular consensus motif. And they harbor a core sequence, as you can tell, and that's the C, G, T, C, A, which must be there. Okay, so now you know the basics of the protein and the response element, which is nucleic acid in the chromatin. Now, because there are multiple components of the cyclic A and P, PKA pathway, and those are linked in neural transmission associated with learning and memory, the question is, does CREB-dependent expression have a pro have a mechanism to turn on that pathway because we already know cyclic amp and protein kinase a are involved now we want to know if the kreb transcription factor association is also involved so as it turns out kreb phosphorylation and Cree reporter gene expression are detected in cortical neurons that's during a very important process that occurs throughout uh, the neocortex in humans, and that's known as plasticity. Now, there are um, windows of high levels of plasticity during development, such as in utero. We talked about those. But you all get, also get the hippocampal neuronal plasticity, and this is in response to LTP-induced stimuli and memory training tasks, okay? So we've talked about this in the past. So CREB-dependent gene expression is required for a consensus of learning and memory because we know this because the intra-hippocampal infusion of CREB antisense oligonucleotides produces a deficit in spatial temporal learning in a rat model. Now, Krebs signaling has also been well described for plasticity for cerebellar LTD. Okay? So, the findings suggest that Krebs dependent gene expression contributes critically to long term memory and plasticity, at least in the vertebrate models that we've been talking about, these rodent models. And that suggests maybe a direct ma manipulation of CREB levels may be occurring in vivo in humans. Now, I just told you that ethanol activates this process, okay? So that's where we are. Now, I want to remind you that there are multiple neurotransmission-associated peptides, as well as growth factors and hormones, and components of cellular metabolism, 
transcription and signal transduction. So a few of the peptides involved, <clears throat> acetylcholinesterase, alpha-1 GABA receptor, beta-1 adrenergic receptor, as well as the beta-2, cardiotrophin, calcitonin gene-related peptide, that's the CGRP, cholecystokinin, chromogranin A and B, corticotropin-releasing hormone, dopamine beta-hydroxylase, enkephalins, endorphins, galanin, galanin receptors, gonadotropin-releasing hormone, the human chorionic gonadotropin alpha, proglucagon, secretogranins 1 and 2, somatostatin, vasopressin, vasoactive intestinal peptide. So it's just a few, some of the major ones actually, of peptide neurotransmission-associated systems in the central nervous system. Growth factors include BDNF, that's the brain-derived neurotrophic factor, the FGF6, that's the fibroblast growth factor, IGF1, that's the insulin-like growth factor 1, leptin, which we've talked about recently, inhibin alpha, and of course, TGF-beta, that's the transforming growth factor beta. We also have cadherins, fibrinonectin, these more structural growth factor components. We have channels like aquiporin and, oh, glucose transporter 2 and, uh, and the KV 3.1 potassium channel. And also, of course, the canonical sodium potassium ATPase alpha. In terms of metabolism, we've talked about these now, so I'm just summarizing all this for you. You have the aryl alkylamine N-acetyl transferase. You have the cyclooxygenase 2. You have cytochrome C, glutamine synthetase heme oxygenase 1, hexokinase 2, HMG-CoA synthase, the neuron-specific enolase, ornithine decarboxylase, pepcarboxykinase, pyruvate carboxylase. Many of these enzymes are involved in intermediate metabolism. And then also superoxide dismutase. Transcription factors are several. CREB is a major one uh, for neurotransmission. Another one is the ATF3, that's the activating transcription factor 3 and also ATF1. In terms of signal transduction, uh, I'll just mention nitric oxide synthase, the some of the cyclins, the 14.3.3 epsilon polypeptide, and what else? Um, the serum and glucocorticoid inducible kinase. Prostaglandin synthase 2 is also a signal transducer for neurotransmission. Okay, so what happens with acute alcohol? is that you increase anxiety and that increases drinking. Now that's associated with CREB phosphorylation, which causes a decrease in the expression of BDNF, neuropeptide Y, and spine density. Now we covered this before. And you move from condensed chromatin to, through normal chromatin to relaxed chromatin. When that occurs, the CREB pathway, remember because of the uh, acetyltransferases, you're adding acetate to the histones, the CREB pathway will then turn on BDNF and then neuropeptide Y and increase spine density. 
And contrarian to what happened earlier, the same thing will occur even though you're altering gene expression. You'll get uh, from chronic alcohol use further general anxiety and an increase in the drinking urge. Okay? So it's running through the same pathways and it's altering chromatin epigenetically but it's altering the expression of certain neuropeptides, which ones, BDNF, NGF, and PY, okay? And when, it, when that occurs early in the cycle, you get no alcoholism-based neurodegeneration. But if, it occur, but if you have a drop of BDNF, NPY, and spine density, that engages this process that then essentially moves through a condensed chromatin to a relaxed chromatin, that's heterochromatin and euchromatin, which will then open up the expression of all those genes via CREB, because the chronic alcohol use is going to induce CREB throughout the system. Okay? So I know that sounds um, contradictory, but you know now it isn't. It's a temporal shift. Just like we talked about the methylation, now we're talking about acetylation. And we're talking about specific genes that are turned on, these uh, neurotrophic factors, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you a story about glucagon-like peptide 1. Now, we talk about this a great deal in our um, type 2 diabetes lectures. I refer you back to those if you want to go back and review that whole um, deep focus of understanding of how glucagon-like peptide 1 receptors function in pancreatic eyelid beta cells, okay? They, this, this, the receptors for glucagon-like peptide 1, called GLP-1Rs, are associated in the pancreatic eyelid beta cells um, as a means to control type 2 diabetes, okay? So in fact, the activation of the GLP-1 receptors in the CNS, not only works uh, to control the uh, the downstream processing of that glucagon-like peptide one, but also seems to mediate neuroprotection. And in preclinical animal models of neurodegenerative disorders, including Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis (MS) as multiple sclerosis, peripheral neuropathy, ischemia, and stroke. So you can get an activation of the glucagon-like peptide 1 receptors in CNS, um, essentially turning on neuroprotection that has been associated with um, slowing down the preclinical progression of all those diseases. That's how animal model work. So the GLP-1R pancreatic island beta cells, what does it do? It invokes insulin synthesis because of hyperglycemia. So it's the triggering mechanism to generate insulin with high circulating glucose. The activation of that GLP-1R in the hippocampus and then the spinal dorsal horn does another thing. It leads to microglial expression of beta endorphins. And that's through a very complex signaling mechanism. Now, beta endorphins, as you know, are natural opiates. They come from the POMC locus. 
So, the GLP-1R belongs to a class B of G-protein coupled receptors. It's going to signal through multiple G-proteins, G-alphas, G-alpha uh, G uh, stimulatory, G-alpha inhibitory, G-alpha O's, and G-alpha Q slash 11s. Okay? Four different families of G-coupled protein receptors. So that means you get multiple signal transduction cascades, all of which may be linked to GLP-1R mediated control over insulin synthesis. Now that would include one of those pathways includes cyclic AMP protein kinase A signaling. Now that works just through one of those G proteins, the G alpha stimulatory. And we know that G alpha stimulatory through cyclic AMP protein kinase A is the canonical pathway for insulin secretion from the, bank, the pancreatic beta cells. Okay. So let's talk about this. We already, we already tell you what cyclic AMP response element binding protein is. And you know, therefore, it's going to be involved as an important transcription factor. And here I'm telling you that CREB is an important uh, transcription factor for insulin and now for beta endorphin precursor, which is the pro-opio-melanocortin gene. Now that you see in not just in the CNS for the POMC, but you also see it in pancreatic and the pituitary cells. Okay. So. That means the cyclic AMP protein kinase A Krebs signaling pathway in association with this glucagon-like peptide receptor modification and mediation could be associated with examination of microglia-induced neuroinflammation. And that is important then to examine it by finding a uh, pharmaceutical which can induce beta endorphin from microglia. So there are glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonists that are available that are actually used in type 2 diabetes. And one of them is called exenatide. Now, MAP kinases, that's myogen-activated protein kinases, include P38, Remember the C June N terminal kinase, the JNK one two, and the all important extracellular signal regulated kinase. That's the ERP one two isoform. Those all all those kinases might be involved in this microglial control over beta endorphin versus neurodegeneration because they are associated. Those kinases are associated with microglial activation. So when you inhibit the JNK activation, the GLP-1R activation in pancreatic beta cells and macrophages results in an anti-inflammatory and anti-apoptotic function. P38 involvement in the anti-nociceptive effect, because it does have for GLP-1R, P38 involvement in that anti-nociceptive of a GLP-1R agonist, that's a specific agonist called the methyl ester. That's what's in the literature. 
suggests there's a role for MAP kinase activation in anexotide, that's the other agonist, mediated beta endorphin expression in the microglia, because we know that happens. Okay. So the P38 MAP kinase activity that we're talking about has to be examined in detail. There are four different families, P38 alpha, P38 beta, delta, and gamma. Now, among those isoforms, only the alpha and the beta form of P38 are expressed in microglia in the CNS. And even though P38 alpha and P38 beta are 80% homologous at the protein sequence level, they have quite distinct biological functions. So a knockout or a mutation of, of, a, of a function of P38 alpha but not P38 beta, will attenuate microglial expression of pro-inflammatory cytokines, such as TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, and interleukin-1-beta, and activated microglia-induced neurodegeneration associated with that. Now, in contrast, P38 beta, that was the alpha, is identified as a critical player in the survival of endothelial cells, muscle myocytes, and fibroblasts. That suggests that you have to tease out the role of P38 alpha and P38 beta in this very specific anexotide-induced beta endorphin expression. So anexotide stimulates microglial expression of beta endorphin. Parallel to beta endorphin expression, we have to look at the exotide effects of cyclic AMP and phosphorylation via protein kinase A, MAP kinases, and then the phosphorylation of Crab itself. They used RNA interference technology to measure P38 alpha and beta because they didn't have specific inhibitors of those two isoforms. Right? So they used RNAi to measure P38 alpha and P38 beta phosphorylation of an intervention in the anexotide-induced beta endorphin expression and the associated antinociception. So this paper that we're talking about here, I'll put it in the show notes, claims to be one of the first to demonstrate that the cyclic AMP, PKA, P38 beta, Krebs signal transduction pathway mediates the anexotide, remember that's a GLP-1R agonist, the anexotide-induced beta-endorphin expression, okay? And it may then be a negative effect on pro-inflammation and apoptosis. Now, I want to remind you this is about ethanol. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding you because this is the whole reason I went through these, these other papers to get to this point. Okay, so here we go. I know I'm talking faster today, but necessary to get this done. Alcohol consumption in young adolescents has been increasing since the late 1990s. The adolescent brain is far more sensitive to alcohol than adults because the adolescent brain is far more neural plastic. Not only is it neuronally plastic all the way up to and including about age 30, there's also a great deal more of synaptic pruning and remodeling, and there's still active neurogenesis. 
Now we know the subregions of the brain that might be involved because they just went through all that neural anatomy with you. Here we're just thinking about the adolescent hippocampus. We know the hippocampus, which is a site of a lot of neurogenesis too until you're 30, is particularly vulnerable to alcohol-induced structural damages. And that then correlates to behavioral deficits in all the road models and in some of the human studies that have been formed. What is shown is that excessive alcohol consumption during adolescence <coughs> reduces hippocampal volume in humans. And also this is well described in the rodent research. It also impairs hippocampal dependent learning and memory and hippocampal neurogenesis, okay? Which as I said, is really important up to about the age of 30 in humans. So excessive ethanol consumption causes neurodegeneration, something we've talked about now several times. Neuroinflammation is one of the pathogenic processes leading to alcoholic neurodegeneration. And it could be that there's an activation of microglia playing a role, and it plays a role through the toll-like receptor 4. So TLR4 is an important member of the pattern recognition receptors. Remember, it could be stimulated by pathogen-associated molecular patterns and endogenous host danger-associated molecular patterns, right? PAMPs and DAMPs. So endogenous TLR4 activators, which we also talked about a while back, include the high mobility group box one protein. Remember, that's the human um, HMGB1, okay? Now that has been shown to occur following chronic and excessive ethanol intoxication in post-mortem brains of alcoholics. So the knockdown TLR4 or blockade of the TLR4 activation by inhibitors can induce a prevention of alcohol-associated increases in immunoreactivity and pro-inflammatory cytokines in the CNS. Now, what's involved here? NF-kappa-B, which of course is an essential nuclear transcription factor following downstream the TLR4 signaling pathway. It participates in the mid-88, remember that one, and the TRIF-dependent pathways. And therefore, it's important downstream finally in the nucleus to control transcription of pro-inflammatory cytokines. So the activation of NF-kappa-B, as it turns out, depends upon the inhibitor of NF-kappa-B, that's the I-kappa-B kinase-kinase complex. Now that is an essential regulatory subunit of the NF-kappa-B essential modifier known as NEMO, NEMO-IKKC. So all of that, that NEMO is required for NF-kappa-B activation. So NEMO is itself modified by polyubiquitinylation. It's also critical, therefore, for the IKK activation. So a deubiquitinase might interact with NEMO and cleave those polyubiquitin chains, therefore acting as a negative regulator, you see, for the NF-kappa-B activation, which will lead down downstream generate pro-inflammatory cytokines. So it's possible that the small ubiquitin-like modifier 2,3, that's SUMO 2,3, is conjugated onto a lysine residue of NEMO, impairing the deubiquitinase, 
from binding with Nemo and thus strengthening the IKK activation. So overexpression of a protein called SENP6 significantly decreases LPS-induced release of pro-inflammatory cytokines, while the depletion of SENP6 significantly increased all of those polypeptides, the, the, the pro-inflammatory cytokines. That suggests that SENP6 could regulate inflammation by dampening NF-kappa-B. So when you think about CREB, it's the way it works. Two things going on with microglia that I got to get. Let me see how much time I've got. Please tell me I've got enough. Oh my gosh, very quickly. The GLP-1R and TLR4 receptor-induced expression of beta-endorphin and pro-inflammatory cytokines and microglia act as antagonists to each other. After agonism of the GLP-1R, the cyclic AMP, PK, P38 beta, not the 38 alpha, MAP kinase and Krebs signals successfully activate, mediate beta-endorphin expression and neuroprotection. But P38 alpha MAP kinase and NF-kappa B signals are successfully activated after agonism of the TLR receptor by such things as LPS or ethanol, which will then cause the pro-inflammatory production, uh, cytokine production, including TNF-alpha, one L, one uh, that is IL-1 beta and IL-6, and also will generate no susception. All right, <laughs> I think I got it done. Dr. Dan Guerrero, so you said ethanol counteracts positive effect of GLP-1R via cyclic AMP. On the 22nd of December, Authentic Biochemistry is saying bye for now.